Welcome C3 family. We're so happy you could join us today. We'll begin in three, two, one. Good morning. Welcome to Christ Community Church. We're so glad you guys have joined us today. Um, don't hit me with your guitar, please. We're real tight up here. We're going to teach you a new song today. And uh, oh, thank you so much. It's called Holy Water. We encourage you guys to sing along with us. friends, this is your call to worship for today. I'm reading Psalm 128. How joyful are those who fear the Lord, 
all who follow his ways. You will enjoy the fruit of your labor, how joyful and prosperous you will be. Your wife will be like a fruitful grapevine flourishing within your home. Your children will be like vigorous young olive trees as they sit around your table. This is the Lord's blessing for those who fear him. May the Lord continually bless you from Zion. May you see Jerusalem prosper as long as you live. May you live to enjoy your grandchildren. May Israel have peace. This is God's word for us today. Thanks be to God. Down, take time, breathe in, he said, he'll reveal what's to come. The thoughts in his mind, always higher than mine, he'll reveal all to come. So take courage, my heart, stay steadfast, my soul, he's in the waiting. He's in the waiting Hold on to your hope As your triumph unfolds He's never failing He's never failing Sing praise my soul Find strength and joy. Let his words lead you on. Do not forget his great faithfulness. Finish all he's begun. So take courage, my heart. Stay steadfast, my soul. He's in the waiting. He's in the waiting. Hold your triumph unfolds He's never failing He's never failing You hold the stars Who call them each by name Will surely keep Your promise to me That I will rise In your victory so take courage, my heart. Stay steadfast, my soul. He's in the waiting. He's in the waiting. Hold on to your hope. As your triumph unfolds. He's never failing. He's never failing. Take courage, my heart. Stay steadfast, my soul. He's in the waiting. Your triumph unfolds He's never failing He's never failing Slow down, take time Breathe in, He said He'll reveal what's to come
morning. Good morning, good morning. Welcome to our uh, C3 Sunday morning Bible study and worship. Uh, we're glad that you could join us. We're happy to be here, and we're happy that you're here as well. Thank you for the, to the music team for yes. such great music all the thank, time. Yes, thank you. Getting better all thank the time. Thank the Lord. Just, uh, not, that sounds like it was a bad and getting better all the time. It's always been good and just gets better and better. It's not, not always been no, good, always. but it's in most of the always. No, it's great, and we're very thankful, and we hope you enjoyed the, the worship today. Um, I am always excited about starting the first of the year over again each year. Um, I love it. I love January 1 um, because it's a time to, um, well, for me, it's a time to start my a new journey reading the Bible, which I love to do. And I can get back in Genesis, which is what we're going to talk about today. Good. Um, but uh, I can start over in Genesis and read back through the Bible again. And that's makes me very happy and excites me, but it's also a great time to start things over, Um, you know, to evaluate how I did last year and in areas where I didn't do so great, um, to to start over again and try again, and uh, especially in the area of relationships, I always try in January really during the holiday to just take a moment and evaluate my relationship with you and my relationship with Rainey and Colton and and uh, um, others in my life that are significant to me and just think about how I felt like it went and maybe things that I could do differently and better. And so uh, as I was reading uh, just a couple of days ago, um, Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3, I um, I don't know, I just was really impacted in those three chapters, the very first three chapters of the Bible, just about how when God created man, mankind, He gave them two very special gifts. He gave them many gifts, but two of the most significant gifts that God gave to mankind when he created them was uh, a job. He gave them something to do, a responsibility, a purpose. Uh, they weren't just supposed to s- sit around under the under trees and eat grapes. Um, they, they, they were created with purpose, with a job, with something to do. And, then, and, and that was a gift from God. God gave them purpose. Just like God has purpose, He's doing things, um, He gave man purpose, and He also gave man relationships. Those were two gifts um, that God gave man, something to do and something to do it with, if you will. Uh, Listen, I'm going to read these three passages, Shirley, one from Genesis 1, one from Genesis 2, and then another one from Genesis 2. Listen to what the Bible says. It says, God said, let us make in our likeness, let let us make man or mankind in our likeness and in our image that they may rule over all creation and all of its animals. So God created man or mankind in his own image and in his likeness, and God blessed them and said, be fruitful and fill the earth 
and rule over it and all of its creatures. You see there that job. God created them to rule, to to have dominance over creation and all other life forms. And then in Genesis 2, he says again, so God took the man and put him in the garden to work the garden and to care for it. And God took all of the creatures that he had made and brought them to the man so that the man could name them. We don't have time today to talk about this idea of naming things, but just for the sake of, just so that you'll know, uh, biblically, in, in that time, that idea of naming something meant that you had authority over it. You had Um, You were in charge of it. You were responsible for it. And so that idea that God asked Adam to name the animals, it's a subtle way of saying that Adam was responsible for the animals. He was in charge of them. He was supposed to take care of them. Um, It was his job. Again, it's his work. It's his responsibility. Uh, And then further in Genesis 2, it says, God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper. So God took one of Adam's ribs and made a woman. Now notice it's from his rib. Um, That idea, the rib being, it's sort of like the ribs are the internal bulletproof vest. It's the part that covers your heart and your lungs. Uh, And God took that woman out of that part of man that was, it's, it's, it's the image there that God is trying to communicate is that woman was created to protect, to be a source of protection for man, to protect his heart, to protect his breath, the very life breath of a man. I think that's so beautiful. Mm. Uh, it also uh, communicates the idea that woman came out of man, and then later on, man is going to come out of woman. So there's that reciprocity, that mutual respect, that mutual importance, that mutual a dependency upon each yeah. other. You came out of me. I came out of you. We need each other. That, right. that's, that, these are images that God wants us to see. Let me, let me finish this. So God took one of Adam's ribs and made a woman and brought her to Adam. And he said, this is my flesh and my bone. She will be called woman for she has been taken out of man. And that is why a man leaves his parents and is united to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And again, there's that idea, you know, it's important that we see this, that idea of two becoming one, that's not just an event. That wasn't just the idea, although it implies the idea of marriage. God married them. But it's more than that. It's it's not just an event. It's a process. It's a lifelong process that God has created for mankind, given to mankind as a gift, this idea that you and I are supposed to begin a journey together, a lifetime journey, and during this journey, or as we journey together, we're going to become one. So again, this idea of work... It's not instantaneous. No, it's... No. Nothing <laughs> no, Nothing important is uh, instant grits, but not instant relationships. And, uh, and even instant <laughs> grits are just okay. <laughs> that, yes, that's true. Um, but this idea that God gave man as a gift, work, responsibility, purpose, duty, 
uh, significance in that he also gave man relationships. Um, Even before the fall, man had work and man had uh, relationships that clearly, if you read these passages, you see there that this work and these relationships demanded continual attention, continual care, continual effort. Um, These were not instant things. Adam was supposed to get up every day and fulfill his work responsibilities. Adam was supposed to get up every day and Eve was supposed to get up every day and they were supposed to develop their relationship. It demanded continual attention, continual care, continual effort. And then after the fall, it demanded even more attention, care, and effort. Let me read this passage from Genesis 3. It says, God said to Eve, after Adam and Eve had disobeyed God, said, God said to Eve, you will experience pain in childbearing and your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. And to Adam, God said, because you listened to your wife and disobeyed me, really what it says is because you listened to someone else rather than listening to me, cursed is the ground because of you. And through pain and toil, you will grow food all the days of your life, and you will eat your food from the field by the sweat of your brow. And, you know, we don't have time this morning to look at all that, but don't miss that God says um, that it relationally, because of the fall, we're going to experience pain. We're going to experience unmet or unfulfilled desires. We're going to want things from each other that we can't that they can't give us, and we're going to want things from each other that we won't give each other. Um, And we're going to struggle with authority. Who gets to be the boss? Who gets to be in charge? Who gets to win? This this idea that relationships after the fall have problems, big problems that demand continual attention, care, and effort. And then work as well. They're going to, work's going to be hard. Um, Uh, And really, the rest of the Bible is the story of proving those words of God are true. Uh, Nothing's changed. Work and relationships are always fragile. They're always difficult. They continually demand attention, care, and effort. Nothing's automatic. Nothing's simple or quick or easy in our work or in our relationships. And if we... Doubt that. Ask Adam and Eve. Was your work easy? No, it was work. It was hard every day. Were your, was your relationship with each other easy? No, it was hard. It took a lot of work every day. Ask Cain and Abel. Ask Noah and his son Ham. Ask Abraham and Sarah. Ask Abraham and Hagar. Ask Sarah and Hagar. Ask Isaac and Jacob. Um, Isaac and Rebekah. Jacob and Rachel and Leah, Jacob and his sons, Jacob and Laban, Joseph and his brothers. I mean, just the the story of the Bible is the story of God's words being proven true that our work is hard, it's challenging, um, uh, it's difficult. Our our, Our relationships are hard and difficult and challenging. And my point that I want us to, to, that I want all of us to think about, my point that I want God to try to convince us of 
is that people that experience lasting and real success in their work and in their relationships are people that are not lazy. Lazy people do not experience lasting and real success in their work or in their relationships. Both work and relationships demand much attention, much care, much effort. Um, Relationships demand hard work just like our jobs do. Um, Lazy people do not experience relational success. Um, I believe the greatest challenge, Shirley, in our relationships, especially marriage, but in all relationships, is not a lack of compatibility. Uh, People say, well, we're just not compatible. Incompatibility is the... Compatibility is not the greatest... I'm not saying it's not a challenge, but it's not the greatest challenge. The greatest challenge in relationships, in my opinion, is laziness. Uh, And I just want to say, I want to address that for just a second and say this. Some of the busiest, most hardworking people I know, when it comes to their relationships, they're lazy. They they expect them to be easy, right? That it should be easy. Yes, they're, they're lazy in their relationships because, as you said so wisely, they think that relationships shouldn't be hard. Um, if you marry the right yeah. person, if you marry your soulmate, then your relationship shouldn't be difficult. It shouldn't demand a lot of hard work. But apply that to work. Now, I realize there are exceptions. There are people that win the Publishers Clearinghouse, or they're born into the House of Windsor. We're watching that show, Crown, and the Crown. you know. But ninety-nine percent of the people in the world, they get up in the morning and they work hard all day. And the people that work the hardest are normally the people that are the most successful. Um, but for some reason, we don't apply that same principle to our relationships. Um, but I want to, I'm just declaring today that relationships, to be successful, they require as much hard work as our occupations, as our jobs. And I would also say that just because something is hard, it doesn't make it wrong. Does that make sense oh, to you? Sure. That I mean, when it comes to our work, just because a job is hard... It doesn't mean you're in the wrong line of work. Um, ask Marvin Leventhal, how hard is it to become a doctor? It's hard. Yeah. How hard is it to be to, to take care of sick people for 30 or 40 years? It's hard. And the same thing for scientists or people that write great books or <laughs> want to write great yeah, books. Yeah, want to write great um, books. Teachers. Uh, world, you know, we're reading, we're watching that Crown deal, and and I've been watching, you know, I was the Crown, the Crown, and and uh, uh, just that a lot of it has to do with Winston Churchill, yeah, and how he literally changed the world, but it took a lot of hard work, yeah, and then he wrote this series of amazing history books on top of all of that, yes, and so world leaders and society changers like Dr. King, I mean, was his job easy? No, he was hard. 
but it doesn't mean he was in the wrong job. Right. Just because it was hard. Right. Um, athletes like Tiger Woods and artists and tech gurus. I was reading an article about people like Bill Gates and some of these other people that uh, you know have changed the world through technology. How they work harder than anybody that works for them. Again, I just want to, when it comes to work, it seems so reasonable that people that want to be successful in work recognize that they've got to work hard. Occupational success demands great attention, great care, great effort. But for some reason, when it comes to relationships, we don't see that. Uh, relationships ought, I hear people saying things like, well, it just ought not be that hard. Mm-hmm. Um, who, who says that? Who, who, I was thinking about that movie that you like, A League of Their Own, and, and Tom Hanks. What, what is that thing he said? Yeah, yeah, what's he, I wrote it down. What's he say? He says, um, um, of course, it's talking about crying. baseball. Somebody was no crying in baseball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's talking about baseball being hard. He says, of course it's hard. If it were easy, everyone would do it. Hard is what makes it great. Hard. That's good, isn't it? Yes, and how much, how true that is when it comes to relationships. It's the hard work in relationships that make relationships great, especially great in the eyes of God. He made them hard so that they would be that which we value the most because He values it the most. And I just, again, I just want to reiterate this idea that because something is hard, doesn't make it wrong. That's true for work, and it's true for our marriages and our families. Listen to some of these verses. Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, said this in Proverbs 26, a lazy person has food on her plate, but she will not bring it to her mouth. There's a blessing, there's an opportunity right there but they won't even do the smallest thing of bringing it to their mouth. Proverbs 24, I noticed a lazy man's vineyard. It was overgrown with weeds and its wall was crumbling down. He has a farm. It's his farm. Um, uh, And I learned a life's lesson. A lazy person will have their most valuable opportunities and blessings taken away from them by force because of a lack of attention, care, and effort. Proverbs 24 says, Wisdom, knowledge, and understanding are required to build a safe and joyful and beautiful and lasting home. And then, you know, probably one of the most well-known chapters in the Bible, Proverbs 31, uh, where it talks about a woman that God admires. I find it remarkable, I've heard that, Passage quoted and taught hundreds of times. You know the thing that that I never hear? The thing that impressed God about that woman in Proverbs 31, clearly it was not her intelligence. It was not her wealth. It was not her taste and style. It was not even her beauty. What impressed her and what he mentions over and over, she got up early and she worked hard all day long. She, the woman that is impressive to God is a woman that is willing to work to make her family, and I would suggest her marriage, successful. Proverbs 27 says, if you care for your orchard, you will enjoy 
its fruit. I ask you to read that passage from Psalm 128. Would you read that? Yeah, just the first. Robin read this earlier in the call to worship, but I want you to read those few verses one more time, please. So it reads again, How joyful are those who fear the Lord, all who follow His ways. You will enjoy the fruit of your labor. You'll enjoy the fruit of your labor, your work. Hmm. How joyful and prosperous you will be. Your wife will be like a fruitful grapevine flourishing within your home. Your children will be like vigorous young olive trees as they sit around your table. This is the Lord's blessing for those who fear Him. This is the Lord's blessing that you will participate with Him in growing a successful vineyard. Yes. Your wife will be like a a, a wine, a a great vine, and you'll grow success. He'll help you grow successful olives. Yeah. Uh, as, you know, I remember, I don't know whether it was our 25th or our 30th wedding anniversary, but we went to Napa Cafe. Uh, Napa, Napa Valley. Uh, Napa Valley. And uh, uh, I was so amazed at the tours that we took. Uh, of the vineyards and yes, the olive groves. And how they, what they said it demanded uh, to, to make a successful vineyard or olive farm. Um, just Not just years of hard work. No generations of hard work. And so much care and so much very tedious care to details to make something as fine as, you know, very extra extra virgin olive oil or very fine wine is, it's a meticulously careful, loving, hard, slow process. Thank you. And the point is lazy people do not create successful Olive groves. Yeah. Lazy people don't create successful wine vineyards. Right. It takes hard work. Um, uh, the grass is not greener on the other side. The grass is green where you water it, where you fertilize it, where you take care of it. Um, we've been again the, the crown, and you know we've been watching these incredible estates, unbelievable. Uh, these huge estates. We really don't really have much of anything like that in America. Uh, and the the number of people that it took to create these estates, their grounds, and then to maintain them, um, it took hard work. Yeah. Uh, to, every day. Every day. All the time. Every day. Uh, it, it's hard work. Um, to be successful in our jobs. It's hard work to be successful in our relationships. It's hard work to learn to listen when you want to speak. It's hard work to speak when you want to be quiet. It's hard work to learn to be honest when you'd rather lie. It's hard work um, uh, uh, to put your mate first when you'd rather your mate put you first. It's hard work to die to self when you want to kill your mate. It's hard work to compromise when what you really want is to win. It's hard work to learn to be a student of your mate, to learn what makes her tick and what makes her happy and sad, and to use that information to become a a better husband or a a better wife, for that matter. Um, I think everybody sees my point. Um, God has given us a new year. And we need to use this new year to make our relationships different and better. Or we can waste it. Um, 
You know, I hear people all the time tell me, well, we drifted apart. But that's the very point that I think God's Word's addressing. Drifting is easy. That's what lazy people do. They drift. Swimming and paddling is hard work. That demands a lot of effort. But if you want to get somewhere, you got to learn to swim. If you don't want to drown, and if you want to get somewhere, you got to learn to swim and paddle. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I just want us to think about this, that this year. Um, what is God maybe saying to me? What is God saying to you? What is God saying to all of us about what can we work on this year in our relationships? Work on to make them better more successful, to cause them to thrive and grow and be a source of life and blessing. What might that be? Why don't you take a minute and think about that before you move on with the rest of your day. Um, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Thank you, Shirley. Well, Thank you're you. welcome. Um, we um, end our service each week by taking bread and wine. And we I'll let you hold that. And we believe that this bread and wine represent uh, the body and the blood of our Savior who came to this earth and invested the ultimate hard work, the ultimate uh, uh, abandonment to himself because he valued a relationship with us more than anything. He gave his life. He died so that he could have a relationship with us. And he's asking us, hey, follow my lead. If you want to have a relationship with each other, learn to do the same thing. Learn to die to self so that you can be a source of life to your mate. And so we eat and we drink that which represents the body and blood of our Savior. Just as a, for a lot of reasons, one of which just to remind ourselves of what he did for us and what he's called us to do. So let's eat and drink. Bless you for being with us today. I hope the Lord has spoken to you and given you some things to think about and work on in this new year. I promise you there are people in your life that long for uh, your relationship with them to be different and better. God longs for it, and He'll help you and He'll help me if we'll look to Him for that help and, 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 and work, be willing to work hard. So Lord bless you. Hope you have a great week. Thanks for joining us. Come back and be with us next week. Thank you. Let me be filled with kindness and compassion for the one the one whom you loved and gave your son for humanity increase my love so help me to love with open arms like you do a love that erases all the lines and sees the truth oh that when they look in my eyes they would see you even in just a smile they would feel the Father's love. Oh, how you love us. 
From the homeless to the famous and in between You formed us, you made us carefully in the end we're all your children so help me to love with open arms like you do love that erases all the lines and seems the truth oh that when they look in my eyes they would see you even in just they would feel the Father's love. Let all my life tell of who you are. The wonder of your never-ending love. Let all my life tell of who you are. That you're wonderful. Is such a good father. Let all my life tell of who you are. The wonder of your never ending love. Oh, let all my life tell of who you are. That you're wonderful. Is such a good father. That you're wonderful, such a good father. Help me to love with open arms like you do. Love that erases all the lines and sees the truth. Oh, that when they look in my eyes, they would see you. Even in just a smile, they would feel the Father's love. So help me to love with open arms like you do. Love that erases all the lines and sees the truth. Oh, that when they look in my eyes, they would see you. Even in just a smile, they would feel the Father's love. Even in just a smile, they would feel the Father's love. Thanks again for joining us. We are Christ Community Church. Come on back next week, 1015, YouTube Live, Facebook Live. Anything else? Zach's going to work out for a little bit, do some push-ups. Y'all come on back. We'll see you next Sunday.